Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I'm your host, I'm a beggar, and I found bread. The bread of life, the Messiah, Yeshua of Nazareth. My hope is to let others know where to find this bread, and in doing so, finding the purpose of their lives. This episode, I Was Made For Loving You. Credit Kiss for the title to this episode. Longtime glam rockers Kiss released the track I Was Made For Loving You on their Dynasty album, which was their seventh studio album in 1979. For this album, each of the four band members submitted demo tapes with songs, and the best from each were included on the record. This would be the first album where all four original members did not work together in the studio. Due to a car accident in 1978, drummer Peter Chris struggled with his playing. He had injuries to his hands. So, South African drummer Anton Figg was called in, and he recorded the drum tracks on the album. Now, you may recognize that name, Anton Figg, as I did when I, when I was reading some of this, and I was like, where do I know that name from? Anton Figg. I know I've heard that before. Well... He was the drummer for the world's most dangerous band with Paul Schaefer on Late Night with David Letterman. That's right. Now you got that. So, you know, do something with it. I don't know what. Peter Chris's struggle with drugs and alcohol actually took him out of the band. He didn't record on any studio albums with Kiss again until 1998, where he played on one track on the Psycho Circus album. You may recall Eric Carr became the full-time drummer for the band after Chris's exit. Anyone remember what his mask was? Right, They each had their you know the makeup masks that they wore, and Peter Chris's was the cat. Eric Carr's makeup? A fox. Eh, maybe a little bit presumptuous there. Anyway, a funny note about that Dynasty album. When you search it online, the music genre is disco, rock, hard rock. And it's funny because it, there's clearly disco influences on that album. They're they're absolutely there, and I I thought, and I may be wrong. I didn't I didn't look this up, but I thought it was actually Gene Simmons who coined the phrase "death before disco." I don't know, maybe he didn't, but I mean, as much as Gene Simmons likes to maintain that you know hard rock and roll exterior, there is absolutely a mirror ball and platform shoes in his heart. All right, that's more than enough on that because we know it is not about the music. It's about the message, I was made for loving you. We are smack dab in the midst of the fall feasts of the Bible. They begin with Yom Teruah, the day of trumpets, also referred to as Rosh Hashanah, which is the head of the year. Then comes Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, which is followed by Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles. We have looked at Yom Teruah in the distant early warning episode, and we touched on some of Yom Kippur in the Figure It Out episode. I have not done a complete episode on the Feast of Tabernacles as of yet. God willing, that will come soon. And I think that is the only feast day we haven't done a full episode on, so I would like to produce one again, God willing. For this episode, I wanted to take another look at Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And my reason is because I've 
personally had some misconceptions about this appointed time, and I believe others have as well. In fact, I know they have because it's some of what I've been taught by other people. Well, and these are the appointed times, along with the weekly Sabbath, the seven feast days described in Leviticus 23 are called Moedim, appointed times. And these times are actually referenced in the description of creation. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14, we read, Then God said, Let lights in the expanse of the sky be for separating the day from the night. They will be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Where it is written that the lights in the sky will be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years, when we look at the Hebrew definition of the, the phrase and for seasons, the, the word used for seasons is the Hebrew word moed. Everywhere else in the scriptures, we see the word moed. It is translated as feasts. From the beginning, Hashem had appointed times in mind for his people to set aside specifically to meet with him. It's as though the Holy One, blessed be he, has a day planner, and he set aside specific days and times for intentional gatherings with his people. How amazing is that when we think about it? The king of the universe has you in his day planner. He has me in his day planner. Hallelujah. Now, those would seem to be important appointments to keep, don't you think? If you know you're in that, you've got that appointment, that appointed time with the king, that would be one you'd pay attention to, I would, I would assume. Yom Kippur is one of these appointed times for the children of Hashem. And many of you are aware when the temple is standing, this is the one time a year that the high priest would enter the most holy place or the holy of holies in the temple on behalf of the nation after presenting the prescribed offerings. This is considered the high holy day as atonement is made for the entire year for, an, for the unknown and unintentional or unwitting sins committed. It is a cleaning of the slate, so to speak. Leviticus 16 spells out the basic proceedings for the ceremony. You can read that chapter in its entirety. From the day of trumpets until Yom Kippur are what is called the days of awe, A-W-E. And it's 10 days from the day of trumpets until Yom Kippur. And these are the days of awe where we are to examine ourselves, reflect on the past year, and identify trespasses or sins and repent of them, which takes us to the Day of Atonement. Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. My understanding of this day has been skewed. Um, it's been that it is a, you know, a somber day of groveling in guilt, confessing sin, mourning over trespasses, humiliating oneself before Adonai and begging for mercy, repenting, and eventually coming to a place of receiving mercy and finding favor in the eyes of Hashem when we can breathe a sigh of relief and begin with a fresh canvas attempting 
nervously to walk a tightrope of perfection for the next year. I am so grateful this is not the case. Yes, of course, it is a time of repentance. Atonement is being made. And so there is the repentance factor. But it's not a prescribed raking of oneself over the burning coals of the anger of God for falling short. Some of the understanding comes from the translation of Leviticus 16. It is written, starting at verse 29, It is to be a statute to you forever that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you are to afflict your souls and do no kind of work, both the native-born and the outsider dwelling among you. For on this day atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. From all your sins you will be clean before Adonai. It is a Shabbat of solemn rest to you, and you are to afflict your souls. It is a statute forever. So, first of all, the word solemn is in there. It will be a Shabbat, a Sabbath of solemn rest to you. And I think we have a misconception, or at least I have a misconception of this word, thinking that, you know, solemn means somber or sullen, downcast. And it doesn't. It actually means distinguished or formal in English. And the Hebrew understanding of the word or the Hebrew definition of the word is that it is sacred. It is holy. It is set apart. So it's a, it's a time to be revered. That's solemn. And we see of some of the other feast days that there is to be a solemn assembly. And that means just that it is set apart, holy to be revered. Also, the phrase, afflict your souls, which is in in the passages we just read, that has a strong negative sound to it. To afflict someone sounds like you're causing that person injury or pain. The Hebrew word is ana, which means to make low or to afflict. So to make low is to humble. Humbling oneself is a good thing. We remember, Hashem humbles the proud and exalts the humble. It is better that we humble ourselves than to be humbled by God. What is to be done on Yom Kippur is a humbling of oneself before Adonai. And there are arguments about what it means to humble oneself or to afflict the soul. And people go round and round and about and arguing. No, it doesn't mean fast. Yes, it means fast. I'm I'm going to share with you my understanding, and this is uh, again this is my understanding, and and there is definitely uh, a Jewish influence in here because I think that they uh, that that people who are Jewish might have a little deeper insight than a, you know a Gentile who jumped on the bandwagon, so to speak. So anyway. My understanding is that we are to abstain from certain things which cause physical pleasure so that we may have our spiritual senses heightened, being being more sensitive to the presence of Hashem. The five prohibitions on Yom Kippur are eating and drinking, bathing or showering, marital intimacy, applying of perfumes or oils, and wearing leather shoes. Now, each of these 
give a pleasurable sensation to the body. Denying oneself of these things should draw our attention to the one from whom true pleasure flows. That's what this is about. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of Hashem. Now, some will say that the master, Yeshua, told us not to look somber when fasting and to put oil on our heads, etc. And it's true. There's no no command in, in there uh, that says to look somber or downcast. Um, but Yeshua said to put oil on your heads, and that is 100% accurate. I believe he is referring to other times of fasting, not specifically to Yom Kippur. Because at other times throughout the year, when one sanctifies a fast, which is committed to Adonai, a time of fasting and prayer, we're not to announce what we're doing, right? It's, it's, uh, Yeshua is referring to people who are calling attention to themselves for doing these things. And we, uh, this is what we are not to announce that we are fasting, you know, through our appearance and attempts to look downtrodden before others for attention and praise from man. On Yom Kippur, and the reason I believe there is this distinction is because on Yom Kippur, the entire community is fasting. Everyone knows, everyone expects you are fasting. So denying yourself these things is not a seeking of attention. It's, it's simply obedience to God Most High, El Elyon. Afflicting our souls, humbling ourselves, I believe is absolutely a part of repentance. It takes that in humbling ourselves. We, we must understand that we should always be walking humbly with Hashem. As the prophet said, that we should love justice, that we should seek mercy and or seek justice, love mercy and walk humbly with our God. This day, Yom Kippur, is actually a celebration. It's a time of giving thanks to the Father for atoning for our sin. It's like the climax of the greatest love story ever told. It's a day of redemption, restoration, and reconciliation. I think the parable of the prodigal son is a picture of Yom Kippur. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11. Then Yeshua said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of the property that comes to me. So he divided his wealth between them. All right, I'm jumping in here. So this this young man tells his father he wants his inheritance now. He doesn't want to wait for his father to die. He wants to enjoy the money now basically saying, you're dead to me. And the father gives him his portion. Picking up at verse 13, Yeshua speaking. Not many days later, the younger son gathered everything and traveled to a far country. And there he squandered his inheritance on wild living. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine came against that country and he began to be in need. So, he went and joined himself to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to fill up on the carob pods 
the pigs were eating, but no one was giving him any. I'm interrupting here again. So this young man blew the inheritance on the pleasures of the world, food, drink, women, etc. He then becomes an indentured servant. He attaches himself to a farmer. He has been humbled by Hashem here. He now doesn't experience any of the basic pleasures, food, drink, bathing, marital intimacy, pleasant smelling oils, or nice clothes. Going to pick back up in verse 17. Yeshua is speaking. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have food overflowing? But here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your presence. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So this young man plans to humble himself before his father in the hopes of simply being a servant and accepting the wages of such. To verse 20. And he got up and went to his own father. But while he was still far away, his father saw him and felt compassion. He ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your presence. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. In this, we see the son is repenting, and he starts to go through his re rehearsed declaration. He wants to go through the, the groveling and, and all the other things, but the father interrupts him. Let's pick up at verse 22. But the father said to his slaves, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. Then they began to celebrate. Our father knows, just as the father in the parable, when we are broken and ashamed of our sin. Restoration is instantaneous. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. In the parable of the young man's celebra man celebration begins before the party even starts. When he hears, his father accepts him, forgives him, and how joyful his father is that he, his son, has returned. This is when the son rejoices internally, and I imagine tears of joy flowing, he hears of his father's love for him. On Yom Kippur, before we actually break the fast together at, at sunset, once the day is complete, before we actually do that, we should rejoice. There should be rejoicing even before the actual celebration. When we turn back to Hashem in repentance, He knows the moment we acknowledge and repent. If we have walked 10,000 miles away from Him, it is one step back. Repent, and the Father runs to us, and the celebration begins. We were made to love Him. It is our choice it is our will to do so, but we were created to love him. He created us in love. His love for us endures all things. 
Yom Kippur is the greatest love story. In the Song of Solomon, we read, I sleep, but my heart is awake. A voice, my lover is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my companion, my dove, my twin. For my head is drenched with dew, my locks with the dewdrops of the night. Hashem's love for us cannot be stopped. As the Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in Rome, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Messiah Yeshua our Lord. Amen. What we see in the Song of Solomon is a picture of Adonai's unfailing love. My head is drenched with dew. Rains can be stopped, but dew will always be there. Elijah prayed for the rain to stop and that there would be no dew. The rain stopped, but the dew continued, just like the love of God. He calls out and he says, Open for me, my sister, my companion, my dove, my twin. The divine presence, the Shekinah, yearns to dwell within our hearts. The moment we set aside the cares, distractions, pleasures, and worries of this world and open to him even the tiniest of pinholes, the eternal light shines through and bursts forth. It cannot be prevented, and his joy seeks to flood every crevice of our being. He calls us sister. He calls us his child. He calls us his beloved bride. As Rabbi Shinur Zalman states, whatever intimate relationship can exist between two human beings, extract the essence of each of them, take their sum, and multiply that by infinity and you have an inkling of how close, how inseparable are the two of you. That is incredible. He calls us, Hashem calls us companion. We can say that we're not very good or faithful companions. We know where we've been, what we've done, our lusts and addictions. How can we, how can we, Or who are we to celebrate? Well, we don't celebrate what we were or what we have done. We don't even celebrate what we are now in this present moment. We celebrate what is being created in us by him. He will complete the work that he has started within us until the day of the Messiah Yeshua. So we celebrate what is being created in us by him. What does he celebrate of us? We saw in that parable, the father wanted to throw a party to celebrate. So why does he throw a party when we return? What does the father celebrate? 
He celebrates who we are in him, his creation, choosing of our own will to return to him, responding to the inner desire to be reconciled, responding to his love, to return to the one who created us. Rabbi Zalman adds, in every word of Torah, we learn and speak in every mitzvah, deed of righteousness, we do. We are constructing a palace, opening windows and switching on lights, dusting off abandoned, invaluable furniture and setting a fine table for a feast, building and repairing. In this most physical of all worlds, we are providing him and his infinite light greater presence than in any of the spiritual realms. Why does the Father call us a dove? From Song of Solomon, he, calls, he, he, he refers to his love as a dove. And this is a picture of Hashem's relationship with his creation, us people. So why would he call us a dove? Well, the dove is monogamous by instinct. The dove bonds only with its mate for life. So the uh, should intimate bonds so should be our intimate bonds with the most high. We should innately bond with him as a dove bonds with its mate. It should be instinctive that we connect with him. He calls us his twin. And what is meant by this? Well, twins empathize, sorry. <laughs> twins empathize with one another on a level that most people do not understand. They have, they have a stronger connection than any other siblings and any, any other people. They, they empathize with one another. Hashem feels our pain when we hurt. He knows our sorrows, our griefs, and hurts. And we, when rightly related to him, we can know his unspeakable joy, his love, his compassion, his forgiveness, his righteousness, his grace. That is where the, the, the word twin comes in when he, when he refers to us. That's the connection. Yom Kippur is absolutely the greatest love story ever. We were made for loving him. It is said that the day of trumpets, Yom Teruah, is the day names are inscribed in the book of life. And Yom Kippur is the day of being sealed in the book of life for the coming year. Yom Kippur as with all other feasts of Adonai, points directly to Yeshua. I absolutely believe as followers of Yeshua, we should honor this day. The scriptures say it is a statute forever. We're still in forever. Yom Kippur is a picture of final judgment. Our high priest, Yeshua HaMashiach, is in the true, most holy place, not made with human hands. Read the book of Hebrews. He is there. 
He is our high priest. He is the true high priest. He ever lives to intercede for us. And his intercession goes beyond praying for us. He intercedes in the way an earthly high priest interceded for the people on Yom Kippur. I believe that like on Yom Teruah, when we hear the trumpet sound, we are called to a time of repentance on Yom Teruah. When we individually hear the voice of the master as a shofar, as a trumpet sounding within our lives, and we repent and turn to God's ways, our names are inscribed in the book of life. When we repent and we turn back to God's ways through the Messiah Yeshua, our names are inscribed in the book of life. And my understanding is the final sealing will occur at final judgment. Yom Kippur is a celebration of the mercy, grace, forgiveness, and love of Hashem, which is found in Messiah Yeshua, which leads us to redemption, restoration, and reconciliation to the Father. He has done the work. He has paid the price. And he has empowered us to live his way. And we are without excuse. I hope that this has blessed you and challenged you and that you will dig deeper into the feasts of Adonai. Study them. Study to show yourself approved of God. Yeshua is in every one of them. There is a lost and dying world that needs to know of the undying love of God. Let's go out and give him heaven. Gmar Chatima Tova. May your name be sealed in the book of life. Until next time, may the favor our master Yeshua the Messiah found in the eyes of Hashem be upon you and your household. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, reign in your hearts and minds in Messiah Yeshua. Grace and peace. Chain Shalom.